Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about giving upward feedback. Julie wanted to give her boss, Zoena, some feedback. Knowing Julie's devotion to Zoena, I was curious to hear the situation. Julie said she has this habit of thinking out loud in meetings, and she'll say something like, we ought to look into the regulations on that, and then she keeps talking. Now, some of us think it's just Zoena thinking out loud. If she really wanted us to do anything, she would tell us. But sometimes, a couple weeks later, she'll ask about whatever it was, and then someone, usually me, has to say, um, geez, Zoena, sorry, we didn't know we were supposed to do anything. Yikes, I said with a little cringe. How does that go over? Well, sometimes she lets it go, but sometimes she throws a little fit, and people are angry about that. They don't like her blaming them for a problem they think she created. Are the angry folks asking you to give this feedback to Zuena? No, no, they're not. At least not yet. I mean, I am closest to her. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be me. But no, they're not asking. I want to do it because no good can come from people being angry at her. Yeah, well, so what do you want to tell her, Julie? I want to tell her to stop using staff meetings to think out loud. Or when she does, make it clear it's just one of her streams of consciousness. Wow, I said, could she do that? That sounds like a really difficult thing to do. I know, she said with a little slump. Zuena is a big-picture thinker. Thinking out loud is how her brain works. She has a million ideas in one paragraph. I listen to it all the time, and I like it. She doesn't confuse me. But, Julie, you still want to give her this feedback? Even though you're not confused? And you don't think she can change? Are there any benefits here? I think protecting the culture is a benefit, she said. And this feedback does that, I asked. I hope so, she said. And then, besides, I'm tired of defending Zuena all the time. If people are going to calm down, she's got to do it, not me. And how would she calm people down, I asked. Oh, well, that's the thing, she said. She gave a disgusted frown and shook her head. In my heart, I don't think she should have to do anything. Part of me wants to say to these people, shut the hell up. She's your boss. She's not supposed to flex to you. You're supposed to flex to her. She's got enough on her plate. Let her be herself. Am I wrong for thinking that way? Wrong? No, I support that. But if that's your stance, what happens to protecting the culture? Exactly, she said. I'm stuck. You know, I'm beginning to think nobody should ever give feedback to their boss. It's too big a minefield. Well, I think certain leaders welcome feedback. It's their nature to invite it. Others are hungry for it. They get little or no feedback, and their boss may never do reviews. They often use their teams to figure out where they stand. Well, what's the secret then? How do I get this message to Zuena? she asked. I looked at her, debating how to reply, and then finally said, Julia, I'd like to take off my coaching hat for a minute and put on my consultant's hat. I'd like to share a model with you. Are you good with that? Oh, yeah, she said. I love models. And then holding up a finger, she said, hey, instead of making notes, do you mind if I just record the rest of the session? Oh, no, that's perfect, I said. Go ahead. After a second, she said, okay, thanks. Hit it. Okay. So, we want to figure out if you can give Zuena some feedback. 
Let me start with this question. When you picture giving feedback to Zuena, what do you imagine that conversation will feel like? She said, friendly. I mean, a little tense. Cautious, I guess. Okay, that sounds perfectly reasonable. So let me ask you a completely different question. If you picture talking with Zuena about something that's important to you, something you're curious about, what do you imagine that conversation would feel like? She said, engaged, interesting, fun. Definitely a better outcome the second time, right? I think you can get to that second outcome by just reframing the way you think of giving upward feedback. Instead of thinking of it as giving upward feedback, how would it be if you thought of it as having a learning conversation with her? What? She said. Are you saying she's going to learn that people are angry instead of hearing it as feedback? Like that's a difference? I smiled saying, actually, I wasn't thinking of her learning something, although she might. I was thinking of you learning something. Me, she said. Why me? Now I held up a finger. Can I lay out the learning conversation model for you? I think I'll answer your questions. She smiled. Lead on. Okay. So you have something important you want to tell your boss. You are going to plan a learning conversation. You're going into this conversation with the goal of learning something, not teaching, not fixing, you learning. She said, okay. I said, in order to have this learning conversation, you are going to do three things. First, identify the what. Second, take responsibility. And third, ask a learning question. You're going to break those down, right? Oh, yeah. Here's number one. Identify the what. All that means, Julie, is figure out what your learning conversation is about. If she asked you, what do you want me to talk about? The what would be your answer. So what exactly do you want to learn? Smiling, she said, I'd like to learn how she got this far without better filters in meetings. But seriously, I'd like to learn... Well, I don't know, because I think she's the one who should be doing the learning. About what, I asked. That people are angry and confused sometimes. And why is that important for her to know? Because if we don't manage it, it could ruin our culture. I shifted in my chair and said, Julie, I think you just figured out your what. I did, she asked. You said it. Just now. She looked upwards, recalling, and then said, People are angry and confused sometimes. It's changing our culture. I saw something click for her. She said, that's amazing. If I tell her that I want to talk about the fact that people are angry and confused, well, she's not even in that. I mean, that has to be better than talking with her about her changing her own behavior. Oh, Julie, I said, that is a wonderful observation. Yes, I agree. I think it is really important that the what not be about the boss's behavior. I agree. That makes so much sense, she said. And I bet it's hard for people, isn't it? I bet they want to tell the boss all the things the boss is doing wrong. I laughed, as did you. She laughed too. Yes, but not anymore. Okay, so what's part two? I said, take responsibility. She said, if you mean that I should take responsibility for the fact that people are angry at her, then no, I am sorry, but no, thank you very much. That is not for me. No, it's not that, Julie. The idea connects to 
It's an old saying you probably have heard, don't bring your boss a problem without bringing a solution. Sure, she said. Well, think about it. You're coming to your boss with a problem that is important to you. People are angry. Are you just going to dump it at her feet? Or are you going to contribute a solution? Oh, that's brilliant. I get to say, hey, here's what I'm going to do about it, which practically begs the boss to say, well, okay, here's what I'm going to do about it. So, Julie, what could you take responsibility for? How could you help resolve the problem of people being angry and confused? She flashed a glance of exasperation at me like, how would I know? And then she turned away and thought. A smile formed on her lips and she said, I could do a little play acting. Go on, I encouraged. She said, during staff meetings, I think I know when people are getting confused. I could feign a little confusion myself and say something like, hey, Zoena, is that something you want us to put time into? I said, oh, that would be really effective, Julie. Would you be comfortable proposing that to Zoena as an actual thing you're going to do in meetings? She thought and then said, yeah, sure, I could tell her that. Okay, I said. So we figured out what the learning conversation is about, and you are ready to say, here's how I'd like to help. So we get to number three, ask a learning question. Yeah, which would sound like what, she asked. Well, learning questions have two criteria. Ooh, I'm glad this is being recorded, she said. First, a learning question has to be a question you genuinely do not know the answer to. She laughed with a sly smile. No leading the witness, eh? Right. You're not trying to win. You're trying to learn. Second, you need to be genuinely interested. A learning question has to be about something you'd really like to talk about. She said, yeah, like people being angry and confused. Right, I agreed. So if you are having a learning conversation with Zawena about people being angry and confused, what would a learning question be? To herself, she said, something I'm interested in and don't know the answer to. She frowned several times, discarding ideas, and then she said, I don't know if this would be a learning conversation or not. Suppose I tell her that if I sense confusion in the room, I'm going to ask her for clarification, and then I could just say to her, what do you think? Would that be a learning conversation? Does it meet both criteria? I think so, she said. I don't know what she thinks, and I am interested, so yeah. And then concern washed over her. She said, do I ever get to tell her that I really think she could use better filters in staff meetings? Julie, that's completely up to you. If it's safe, yes, tell her whenever you like. And if you want a little support, these tools for a learning conversation can help. Julie prepped her learning conversation with Zuena, and it went better than she hoped. The model, she found, gave her easy access to the look and sound of leadership. It's been a long time since I have taught a model on the podcast. I want to lay it out for you right here in the condensed version all at once, just like real short, the sorting and labeling version, if you will. So I'm just going to give you the parts. First is this. You're going to think the words, give upward feedback. That's probably what you will think. I want to give my boss some upward feedback. When you think that, your very first action is to change the headline. Think of it as a learning conversation. Shift yourself from teacher to learner. That's a better way to approach it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to do three things. What? What do you want to talk about? And I believe the boss's behavior should be off limits. 
What do you want to talk about that's a business issue? Action. How are you going to help solve the problem? With Julie, I call this take responsibility. Don't just bring a problem, bring a solution. This is number two. Number three, question. Ask with genuine interest. That's it. That's the model. And I hope it's helpful. And I really mean that sincerely because here's an idea that I have, and I will be interested whether you agree with this idea. The idea begins here. We are all suddenly seeing each other through this new media lens. It is a new set of measurements for what is and is not effective, right? Because it's a new environment. So in the old world, you know, people with certain communication styles would get rewarded at that company, but at this other company, that style of communication would work better over there. Newcomers coming into a culture would learn the communication culture just the way that kids learn culture on the playground. They would learn by being around it and getting a lot of feedback all the time. Well, suddenly we are all newcomers in this all virtual world. None of us have ever been on this playground before, and we are all learners again, and we do not know what's effective, which gets me to my idea. We all need a lot of feedback these days, including your boss. I think this could be an important time to be having learning conversations with everyone around you, including your boss. Help them navigate these waters. Get comfortable with feedback. I have a really surprising story to tell, and it grows directly from this month's gratitude. Once again, really, seriously, in these times where there is so much loss, I get very soft whenever I just talk about all the things I'm grateful for. I have many things I am grateful for, and one of them is you, really, truly. Every month I hear from you, and it is always a pleasure. Thank you. This month, gratitude to reviewers from Saudi Arabia, Chiafranco, and from here in the U.S., Selvamani, Jagan Nathan, and Todd Thompson. And particular gratitude goes to Amr Casey. Here's where that surprising story begins. In last month's episode, I mentioned the marshmallow test, and I expressed a lot of enthusiasm and wonder for it. And then a couple days after the episode goes live, Amr reaches out to me, and he says, uh, hey, Tom, I hate to be a bummer, but the marshmallow test has been debunked. Oh, my gosh. Well, the very first thing I did was I wrote back to Amr and said, thank you so much for letting me know. And I let him know that I was planning a retraction. My concerns at that moment were very personal. I was going to have to actually retract something I had said on this podcast. That was going to be a new thing. I had no idea how I was going to do that. And also... I was perhaps losing this iconic idea that the marshmallow test represented. In a nutshell, the marshmallow test measured whether little kids, like five-year-old kids, it measured whether they were able to delay gratification and whether they did or did not delay gratification proved to have major implications for them as young adults. And this was accepted as the truth of human behavior for many, many years. This research came from the 1960s. I loved that lesson personally. I, I always loved that research. My youngest daughter and I used to talk about the marshmallow test the whole time she was growing up. And sometimes she would talk about someone and she would go, you know, she would never pass the marshmallow test. This all felt very personal to me. 
and I wanted to dig in and find out exactly what had been debunked. I found a column in The Atlantic from June of 2018, and it explained the new research that had happened. The new research looked at the core data from the experiment in the 1960s, and they said, well, look at this. The 900 kids in that study all went to the same preschool, and the preschool was on the campus of Stanford University. Now, think about the parents who have access to the preschool on the campus of Stanford University. That is a pretty select group, right? So the new researchers said, hey, let's see what happens when we add in economic diversity and racial diversity. And guess what? The results were different. They didn't invalidate the marshmallow test. They changed it. When I read that, everything flipped from being about me, right? I have an idea that I hold in high esteem and I'm going to have to tell my podcast audience something. It went to being about privilege. There are so many layers of privilege embedded in this story, including my own. This was surprising and humbling. And I thank you, Amr, for putting me on that journey. I will put the link to the column in the show notes. It's really interesting. Before I share my final thought on delayed gratification, a quick word to all you coaches who are listening. Uh, Stay tuned after the sign-off. I have something for you. And now, a final thought here about delayed gratification. It's it's not going to be a perfect fit with delayed gratification, but, you know, I'm linking to the marshmallow test. See what you think. I was talking to a leader recently. People tell her, She has a terrible poker face, and she does. (laughs) If you watch her, you could pretty much see what she's thinking at any time. She and I are paying attention to this in the coaching. And the other day she says to me in real frustration, she goes, how am I supposed to stop? And she and I got into a long conversation about what we might call delayed gratification. Delayed gratification can mean managing your reactions. Delayed gratification can mean choosing your words to make them as influential as they can be. Delayed gratification means being able to listen. Delayed gratification, I think, in some way, is in the fiber of every episode of this podcast. We could call it self-management. We could call it mindful. We could call it intentional. But it all goes to what I call the look and sound of leadership. And I like to think that these podcasts help move us all to that place. That is the goal. If you want more resources, they're always available for you for free. No sign-in. Just go to the Essential Communications website. It's EssentialCom.com. It's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. If feedback and intentionality and communication models interest you, I would say go to the podcast archive and look under these three filters communication skills, feedback, and managing up. I think you will find good stuff there. And five specific episodes that explore different ideas from this episode are dealing with emotional responses, delivering tough feedback, giving powerful feedback, perception is reality, and the disruptive executive part one. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.
Hello, coaches. I want to let you know about a special interest group that I host. It's part of ICF Los Angeles. It happens six times a year, and the next one is coming up on September the 11th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. It's a 90-minute group. It has no teacher. It is a series of learning conversations in breakout rooms. You get to meet wonderful people from all over the world. It's really, really fun. So come join us. You have to register. You can do that on the website for ICFLA. It is icfla.org. Look for special events. Look for special interest groups. Look for executive coaching. And you will see my picture. So there you go. And it would just be so much fun to have you there. So please, if you come, be sure and say hello. All right. September 11th, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks. Bye.